It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what's happening, what's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Today's episode of Lockdown Rams is brought to you by Built Bar, plain and simple without getting into all the nutritional benefits of this bar. It's the best tasting protein bar that I've ever had in my life. And the best thing is, since you are a listener of Lockdown, you're getting $10 off your first box. All you got to do is go to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKDOWN. Again, $10 off that first box. Don't just take my word for it. Try it out for yourself. I guarantee you it's like a candy bar with nutritional value behind it. So check it out. BuiltBar.com. $10 off. Promo code LOCKDOWN. But today we have an awesome show. We've got Mike DeBate on from Locked On Patriots. We're going to be talking to him about the matchup coming up in the 2020 season. Even though we still see Tom Brady, it's not going to be in a Patriots uniform. We're going to talk about what the quarterback position means for them moving forward this year and what they are looking forward to in the future at that position, as well as talking about the draft class for both teams. Uh, He is going to be kind of picking my brain on the Rams, and I'm going to do the same for him. On the third segment, we are going to kind of talk about the Patriots and where they sit in this division and kind of stir the pot in the NFC East, as we heard not too long ago. Joe Moreno of Lockdown Bills telling us that it is their division to lose. So we'll hear his thoughts on that comment as well later in the show. We had a great long interview, so I think today's episode is going to be more of two longer segments, this little intro segment. Uh, We'll wrap this up here in a second. We'll get to the interview. But be on the lookout for tomorrow's episode as well. We are finishing up our AFC East conversations with Kyle Crabb of Lockdown Dolphins. That's going to be another good one as we learn about that rebuilding process. Tank for two will work for them. That question also comes up today for the Patriots. And then on Friday, we've got Sosa joining us. Hopefully, after we release the schedule, we'll try to talk about that on Friday. As we found out the other day that 5 p.m. Pacific time is when they are releasing the NFL schedule. So we'll find out when we're playing all these teams. And then we're going to catch up with Sosa, talk about the schedule, as well as this Rams draft, dig a little bit deeper into this before we move into the next week. So lots of awesome content still coming your way, including today. Really excited. Had an awesome conversation with Mike DeBate of Lockdown Patriots earlier. Guys, don't forget, hit us up if you have any questions for our upcoming crossover shows or even just about the Rams team in general, roster battles, draft recap stuff. Feel free to reach out to us. You can find us at LA underscore Rambly Bears, my personal on Twitter. You can also email me at brad at lockdownpodcast.com, podcast with an S, as well as Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Lockdown Rams, all accounts there. Our Google number, if you want to drop your thoughts, In audio version, feel free to reach out to us that way. It's 657-345-4988. I will find a way to get you up on the show. Keep it about 30 seconds. Let us know a question, comment, concern, and we'll talk about it here on the program. So with all that good stuff out of the way, I am ready to kick it over to our interview. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back on the other side. Mike's going to bring us in, get us pumped for this conversation. We're going to be talking this matchup coming up. We're going to be talking about both teams, their rosters, their drafts, and what we can get excited about coming up in the 2020 season. 
But before we get there, I want to talk to you about what I'm excited about, and that's Built Bar, getting able to talk to you guys about this amazing product and how they are working with us here at Locked On Podcast Network. They send us all a box of goodies, so we got to try all of their stuff. And let me tell you, I'm typically not a protein type of bar person, the Cliff Bar. It's a little dry. It's a little chewy. Not so much my thing. I know there's some nutritional value there, but the great thing is about the Built Bar compared to the Cliff Bar, it's half the calories, seven times fewer the carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. And that's not even the best part about the bar. It is covered in 100% real chocolate, and it tastes like a candy bar. It tastes amazing. It tastes like no other bar that I've tried out there. And the best way to describe it to you is just try it out. We're giving you $10 off right now because... You're a loyal listener of the Locked On Podcast Network. All you got to do is head over to BuiltBar.com, enter the promo code LOCKEDON, you get $10 off. Again, the box comes with 18 in a box. It's $37. You get the $10 off. It's a great value, and I promise you, by the time they are gone, you are going to be coming back to this website to order more. Mint chocolate cream is one of my favorites, so make sure to add that into the cart when you're there. Again, that's BuiltBar.com. Enter promo code locked on to get $10 off your first box. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8 0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trailblazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Los Angeles, California, and Boston, Massachusetts, two cities that have a rich history steeped in rivalry when it comes to professional sports. The Celtics versus the Lakers, the Red Sox versus the Dodgers. But today, we are talking gridiron, and that means the Los Angeles Rams and the New England Patriots. And the last time these two franchises met, it was in Super Bowl 53, and neither side needs a reminder as to how that one turned out, but... This matchup is going to be a great one in L.A. And since it's crossover week here on the Locked On Podcast Network, we will give you some insight on that matchup. I am Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. They are definitely a pleasure to join you on the microphone today. Talk a little Patriots-Rams in an anticipated and highly exciting matchup, I believe, coming up in 2020 with both of these teams on the schedule. Always a lot of fun when L.A. and Boston do their thing on a professional sports stage. Yeah, we're definitely ready for a little bit of revenge here. It's not going to have the same meaning. It's not going to have some of the same players or coaches, uh, but excited to get some you know, live football action. Again, when these two teams match up, uh, no matter where it's going to be, it's going to be a good football game. We know that. 
Yeah, it definitely will be. It always is when the Patriots and the Rams hook up, whether it have been in St. Louis years ago or since the move back to Los Angeles. Uh, it's always a matchup that is circled on the calendar of Patriots fans, and for good reason. It's because these games are always exciting and always good, and the competition level is always there. Bear, kicking this off, we'll talk a little bit about the Rams first. And uh, your Los Angeles Rams finished 9-7 and seven in 2019. Fairly respectable and a fairly good record. But believe it or not, that was only good for third in the NFC West. And that's in no way an indictment on the Rams at all. That, to me, is a testament to how great this division really is when you talk about the NFC West. But it's been an interesting offseason in L.A., from hiring three new coordinators to releasing running back Todd Gurley, trading Brandon Cooks, who Patriots fans know very well, and also the key losses of guys like Dante Fowler, Corey Littleton, Clay Matthews, Nickel Roby Coleman. You guys have gone through some exodus throughout this offseason, and believe me, the Patriots know all about exodus in an offseason, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. But, Bear, you know this team very well, better than arguably anyone. And when you look at this Rams offseason, what worries you heading into 2020? And what makes you optimistic that the Rams will be in the mix for a division title when the season kicks off? Yeah, I think it starts with some of that turnover that you talked about, some of the new people coming in, some of the people that we're used to having here now gone. Uh, this isn't your normal offseason. You know, we're seeing virtual uh, OTAs and some teams aren't even participating in that. So uh, these are times usually when teams that have had, you know, broken up a little bit or added new pieces that they have a chance to come together uh, and the Rams are going to have to do that in a different format, different technologies and ways to get some of these guys up to speed. So I think that's the biggest thing in this offseason, as we've seen some of these guys leave uh, in, in free agency, uh, that that's where some of the, the big question marks come. And I think it starts on the defense side of the ball with our linebackers. Uh, Dante Fowler had 11 and a half sacks last year. He's gone. Corey Littleton really controlled the middle of that defense. He's gone. Uh, Eric Weddle in the back end. He was the quarterback of the defense. He had the green dot on his helmet, calling the plays, all that. He's gone. Uh, and who called the plays before that? It was Corey Littleton, also gone. So uh, you're looking at you know a new leader of this defense as far as getting the plays in. You're looking at a new defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley. So there's just a lot of question marks as far as how will they gel? You know there's some talent there. Uh, Aaron Donald. Jalen Ramsey, the big name talent is there, but they also come with the big contracts. Uh, you know, you're looking to extend Jalen Ramsey probably next year on the other side of the ball. You, know, you got Jared Goff in place. You got Tyler Higby, who finished the last five games better than any tight end in football, if you're looking at the numbers. And then Cooper Cup, who's also up for a contract coming up next season. So there's just a lot of question marks. It's how will these guys come together? Consistency was the big problem last year. I think that's going to be the big thing coming into the 2020 season. Yeah, and you mentioned consistency, something that the New England Patriots organization knows quite well. But the insight that you provide into the Rams, I think, is definitely helpful for me, for my listeners at Locked On Patriots, who may not know a lot about the guys over on the West Coast. And look, it is going to be a different season in uh, in Los Angeles. You mentioned the coaching changes. Those can definitely have a big impact especially when you lose coordinators with the cachet that they've lost this year. You mentioned Staley coming in and having the, ch the challenge of having to revamp this defense and move it forward. I really love that you touched on the technological 
difficulties that could arise from bringing guys up to speed, especially rookies. And I'm going to hold that because I'm going to get back to that in just a moment. But that type of virtual conditioning, virtual onboarding, um, almost like an initiation or even an orientation sort of uh, for these players is going to be much different this year. The one thing that I will say is the Rams usually do get an A in high tech. Not so much in New England. We saw uh, at one point Bill Belichick's dog was running the draft uh, coming from his home in Nantucket. No, folks, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It wasn't Nike Belichick running that draft. But in any case, uh, the Rams usually do have, uh, uh, you know, a pretty forward-thinking mind when it comes to that technology. So we'll see if it's a hindrance or a help in this case. But Ultimately, I think it does play in the Rams' favor to have that savvy on their side. And one of the big ways that teams build there is through the NFL draft. It's probably the best way to build a 2020 uh, NFL roster. And the Rams had a pretty good draft in 2020. To be honest, Matt, the more I look at it, the more I like it. And obviously, Cam Akers is the crown jewel. He was their first selection. But there are two guys in particular that we'll call L.A. their home this year that I really liked for the Patriots. I had a real sharp eye on both of these guys, and that's Terrell Lewis out of Alabama and Van Jefferson out of Florida. I thought each of them would make great Patriots, and I was really impressed by the both of them. But again, you know this team much better than I do. As you look at the Rams draft hall there, what are your early impressions, and who has the best chance to impress us all in 2020? Yeah, it's a great question. And I was much like you, you know, at the beginning, I wasn't sure if I loved this draft class. And as I got to kind of dig a little bit deeper and, uh, you know, watch some more film and kind of see how they will fit into where some of the holes were. I am coming around big time on this draft class. You talked about Cam Akers. He was never a guy I spent a lot of time on during the draft process. Uh, but realizing now kind of the durability that he brings to that position, the the strength, the power, the speed, all those things. And if you're looking at a Rams running back group right now that had Todd Gurley leave with about 200-plus carries per season, Daryl Henderson was a little banged up last year, a rookie that we got actually traded up in the third round to go get. Uh, there was talks of kind of a running back by committee, but usually need you know that big bruiser that can handle some of the workload or the major majority of the workload, and I think that's Cam Akers. I'm also really excited about Van Jefferson. He's got a little bit of both Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. He's a great route runner. Uh, he's faster than I think people think he is. Uh, that was part of the technology side as you're talking about it. He didn't really, uh, he wasn't able to run at the combine or had a bad number there. His his speed wasn't really popping off at that point. Uh, but they were able to see him at the Senior Bowl. They had technology that was tracking players, and he was the fastest player tracked at the Senior Bowl, uh, something that stood out for Les Snead, the GM, and obviously Sean McVay. So those two guys on the offense side of the ball, getting to kind of work with Sean McVay, uh, and Kevin O'Connell, the new offensive coordinator, kind of working into the system. It's going to be exciting. Uh, obviously, Brandon Cooks is gone, so that kind of fills an open space there uh, with Van Jefferson. But you're talking about on the defense side of the ball, really excited about Terrell Lewis uh, and, and Terrell Burgess because of what they bring uh, as far as day one contributors. You know, we talked about in the first you know question, uh, Dante Fowler leaving, needing some help off the edge. If Lewis can stay healthy coming from Alabama, he's really exciting. But you just got to see the commitment to health, being able to you know stay healthy yeah. and be on the field and being able to transition into this defense. Uh, but then you look at Burgess and where he's going to fit in. Taylor Rapp was a draft pick last year. John Johnson's coming off of an injury, but we're really excited about him. Uh, I think he fits into that slot corner uh, where we saw Nikel Roby Coleman leave, but I'm really excited about all these guys. They're smart players. They're physical. They like to go up and tackle, and I think that's really what the Rams are looking to do. Look at our division. Seahawks pound the football. 
49ers pound the football. We need guys that are going to go up and be a run stopping defense. And I really think that's what they've done since uh, this whole offseason. There's really, you know, bringing a new defense coordinator, switching a focus to that. So I think our first four picks I'm really excited about because I think they can contribute right away. And that was what the Rams needed from this draft. Find guys that can play, you know, almost day one and find whether that's, you know, 10 snaps, 15 snaps, whatever it is, find a role on this team and contribute in year one. I think that's what they did in those first four picks, and that's why I think it ends up being a successful draft for the Rams. Absolutely. And again, I really saw a lot of Patriot-like qualities in the way the Rams drafted this year. And I do mean that as a compliment. I don't mean that derisively either. Uh, The Rams obviously have a great amount of savvy when it comes to being able to build a roster. But one thing that I liked about it is I saw a lot about what the team that I cover does in getting guys, like you said, that are ready to come in and contribute day one. They're not worried about who has this draft grade, who is... Uh, technically a day one player or a day two player or a day three player, if they put a grade on a guy and they feel that it's going to be beneficial for them to take him and they're getting good value out of it, they're going to do it and they're not going to think twice about it. Listen, Lewis was a guy that I was pretty excited about as a possible pass rush option in New England. Uh, You know, racked up 11 and a half tackles for loss, six sacks last year. Really that jack-of-all-trades type of edge defender that Bill Belichick loves. And let's face it, There is a synergy between the New England Patriots and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick are pretty close, so you have to think that that transition would have been close. I really like the fit with the Rams, and I think he's going to fit in very nicely. I think he's got all of the ability necessary to be a good player for this team this year and make an immediate impact. Van Jefferson is another guy, a tremendous and nuanced route runner. Um... The Patriots had such problems with that last year. Guys were not getting open. They weren't running the correct routes. They had a lot of new faces on this team, and it really frustrated Tom Brady at times because he just couldn't get the separation and the players that he needed to run the routes that he needed them to run. They're going to need to shore that up this year with Jarrett Stidham. But again, somebody like a Van Jefferson is always going to be in the right place at the right time. And I'm glad you mentioned his speed because this kid does have the ability to break people off and get open. Something I don't think he gets enough credit for. Albeit, I know there were you know some injuries and the foot injury and the surgery was the reason he didn't get the, uh, the official workout at the Combine. But the Senior Bowl was a place where he really was able to shine. So again... I like these two picks, and I'm glad that you gave some insight on Burgess, on Anchors. A lot of reason to be excited in Los Angeles this year. There, you have provided a tremendous amount of insight when it comes to the Rams' potential 2020 roster. This wouldn't exactly be a true crossover unless we flip the script and you put me on the hot seat. And in just a moment, folks, my colleague, Bear Motter, and I will talk about what most interesting offseason in Foxborough in their history means for the Patriots this season as these two teams prepare to do battle this season in the City of Angels. But first, guys and gals, let me enlighten you on the latest read from author Alka Joshi. And with Sunday being Mother's Day, start the competition today with people important in your mom's life. Mother's Day is her Super Bowl, so let's celebrate this Mother's Day by scoring her favorite gift of the day. Your mom will be able to travel in her mind to exotic India, sample the food, and laugh at the perils of raising a teenager in 1950s India through a new book of fiction called The Henna Artist. By the way, it just happens to be Reese Witherspoon's book club's pick for the month of May. Then, any time in May, post a picture of your mom or you holding the ebook or book on Instagram or Facebook and tag the author at the Alka Joshi. 
That's T-H-E-A-L-K-A-J-O-S-H-I, all one word. A donation of four meals per post, up to 10,000 meals, will go to Feeding America. So guys and gals, buy the henna artist today at your favorite bookseller, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, and Target. And make mom the ultimate winner in your family. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fancy Football with your Locked on Fancy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fancy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyra Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. So it's time to flip the script. We talked about the Rams in the first segment. I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams. We've got Mike DeBate from Lockdown Patriots with us as well. Uh, we kind of covered where the Rams went in this offseason, some of the big issues that they have coming into the 2020 season. But it's time to uh, flip the script, like you said in the last segment, and get over to the Patriots and the very interesting offseason that they had. And I think there's only one place for us to start, and it starts at the quarterback position. And us Rams fans, we're thinking, all right, as you're kind of watching Tom Brady most likely not returning to New England, yes, you don't have to play Tom Brady. Then he goes to Tampa Bay. Now you got to play him on the road instead of having him here at home. The Rams will go down to Tampa Bay this season. We don't know when yet, and we'll find that out uh, later this week when the schedule is released. But uh, you mentioned it earlier with uh, you know Jarrett Stidham being the starting quarterback. It sounded weird hearing you say it. Does it sound weird for you to say it? And uh, is that, you know, what is the long-term plan? Maybe not long-term plan, but 2020 plan. Can you get through the season with winning football with him under quarterback? To answer your question, it's getting a little more comfortable by the day, but it still sounds weird. It still sounds what weird. What sounds weirder still, Bear, is when you say former Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. That really right. is more weird than saying Patriots quarterback Jared Stidham. But look, bottom line, the team had the opportunity to draft a new signal caller or to go out, trade for one, or snag one on the open market. They passed at every opportunity to do so. And I know they did bring in a couple of undrafted free agents to compete for some of the backup positions. They brought in Brian Hoyer to be a mentor. But ultimately, all of the moves that they've made this offseason proves that Jarrett Stidham is the guy. And he's the guy that they want to have the ball taking snaps under center when the 2020 season kicks off. I think short of having Tom Brady walk back through that door, this is the option, the only option that they were ready to consider. And there are a lot of reasons for that. I've had the opportunity to watch Jarrett in practice and watch him evolve from a rookie that came in with a lot of promise, but not a whole lot of pedigree behind him. And I can tell you, he can make the throws. He can step up. He has the ability to put the ball on a dime. He's got very good control. He's got pinpoint accuracy, something that I think really endears him to guys like Josh McDaniels and, of course, Bill Belichick. He can take care of the football, not against the Jets coming in, throwing a pick six and immediately being replaced by Tom Brady. 
He's going to have to work on that. There's no question about it. His decision-making has to get better. And I think one of the big ways for him to do that is to allow his running game to be a crutch for him when he needs it. Uh, there's no shame in that. Rely on a strong running game. And I think that's why you're seeing the Patriots make the moves that they are, keeping Sony Michelle where he is. I think they're going to get a lot more from Damian Harris, who was the uh, backup running back last year from Alabama. Redshirted most of his uh, freshman year or rookie year, if you want to, uh, to say that, it's going to be his first year really taking snaps. So I think he's going to be relied on a little heavier this year. James White, obviously, is a great mentor in that backfield. He can catch passes out of the backfield, and he can be a running option as well. Rex Burkett is a guy that is always going to be good to rely on. He may or may not be back in Foxborough. A lot of rumblings that he may be a cap casualty. If he does, J.J. Taylor, who's an undrafted running back that they just brought in from Arizona, might be an option there as well. So the running game they're going to have to rely on, and they're also going to need reliable receivers. So whether you love the guy, whether you dislike the guy as a fan of another team, you have to give him credit. He's a hard worker, and he's in every single play, every single snap. That's not by happenstance, folks. That's by design. He does it because he's just got a heart the size of the football field, and he's going to try to make plays every day out. The other guy is Nikhil Harry, who I expect a big jump from this year. First-round pick, a lot of pedigree, a lot of promise, not a lot of production last year. Some of that was due to problems that he had with injuries. I look for that to be uh, short up this year. Apparently, he's working out very strongly to come back both physically and mentally. So with that type of a solid core, it's going to allow Jarrett to be able to utilize his strengths. He doesn't have to take the game over. He can work into that decision-making that could make him a very good, dare I say, even great quarterback. He'll be good this year, but I think he's going to have to rely on others to get there. And the supporting cast they have around him, including the two new tight ends they brought in, and Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, are going to help that to happen. Yeah, and and that's great that you kind of build some depth there in in our visuals here uh for that Patriots offense because you think every time you look at you always look Tom Brady and maybe not the best wide receivers and a couple running backs that can do it all but you felt like that was the core of the team and then when you kind of peel it back and hear you talk about it you realize that there still are some really good football players there and that if they can get some solid to medium performance from their quarterback that they can find other ways to get it done, they they drafted the dual tight end, which I want to talk to you about a little bit here in a second. And I'll talk to you about this coming draft. But I also want to look ahead one year because uh, you saw the Dolphins tank for Tua. Is there any chance that the Patriots look to tank for Trevor or lose for Lawrence? I mean, you can come up with whatever you want to say. I, it doesn't seem very Belichick-ishy to me, but you hear a lot of rumors that maybe they passed on this year's quarterbacks because next year is where they want to really kind of go all in and getting their replacement quarterback. Uh, in terms of the tank argument, I can say with 99.7% accuracy that that will not happen. It's just not in the makeup <laughs> of a franchise. It's not in the makeup of Bill Belichick. I cannot imagine Bill Belichick being willing to take a lost season knowing that his franchise quarterback, the guy who was alongside him for 20 years in an amazing run of success here in New England, is going to be down in Tampa Bay taking snaps and leading that team to a great amount of success. Say what you want. Ego definitely does drive these guys, whether you're a coach, whether you're a player. And I'm not saying that's their primary focus or their primary drive, but it's just not Bill Belichick's makeup. 
from a logistical standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. You can tank all you want to. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in that prime position to get the quarterback that you want. It happened to work out for Miami this year, but let's face it, it almost didn't. If Tua had ascended up those ranks and people had assumed that they were going to take him instead of Joe Burrow at number one, which he ended up going number one to Cincinnati, that could have been different. If Cincinnati decided that they wanted to take Tua, then all of a sudden, where are you if you're the Miami Dolphins? So tanking is never a strategy to me that works. Bill Belichick is too smart for that. I think he's too um, superstitious, for a lack of a better term, for that. He realizes that his best opportunity to put the best team out there on the field year after year is to go full on every single season. Now, does that mean you're going to contend for a Super Bowl every season? No, I think there's there's realistic um, expectations on both sides when it comes to that. But ultimately, he's going to do what he needs to do to put the best team on the field. He's not going to tank for Trevor. He's not going to lose for Lawrence. They're going to go out there and they're going to try to win as many games as they possibly can this year and continue to build. I use the old analogy, in New England, you don't rebuild, you retool, you reload. And that's exactly what they're doing. Build a strong defense. They did that in the draft. Build a strong offensive line. Start to plug in pieces on the offensive skill positions that are going to allow you to be able to maximize the strength of your quarterback and then allow your quarterback to grow into his own. I can tell you they're pretty high on Jared Stidham. Unless something drastically changes this year to really um, turn the their expectations upside down, then Stidham is the guy that they want to build around. And I, I think there's a lot more there than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, no, and that's a very good point. I think your first point you very mentioned is it's just not Bill Belichick way, especially if Tom Brady's still in the league. The last thing he needs to hear is, well, look, Tom Brady doesn't need you. You needed Tom Brady. That should be enough motivation right there uh, to kind of move this shit forward. Uh, but I do want to talk about this year's draft. You talked about uh, the linebacker that we got coming off the edge, but you guys got a pair of linebackers that are pretty exciting. In fact, the one of my biggest you know, 2020 draft uh, crush, if you could say, man crush, Josh Shea out of Michigan. That is what I was begging for the Rams to go do uh, in either one of their first, uh, second round picks. They had 52 and 57, I believe. Uh, they passed on Josh Shea. You guys got him, as well as Anthony Jennings, who can come off the edge. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the draft class you guys got and where maybe did they miss? I know you mentioned maybe at quarterback adding some value there, uh, but are you happy with the draft class that's coming in to contribute right away? I am. I'm, I'm actually very satisfied with what the Patriots did, starting right at the top. And I know Kyle Duggar wasn't really a popular choice among a lot of Patriots fans, but he fills a need on a number of different levels. He's an excellent special teamer, and I'm sorry, I know a lot of fans roll their eyes when it comes to special teams, but it's very important in New England. One of the most important aspects of fitting in here is being able to contribute on special teams as well as to either the offense or the defense, depending on where your specialty is. Duggar has the ability to do that. He covers a lot of ground. He has the tools to match up with tight ends in coverage, and I think that is one of the big reasons why they chose to bring him in. The Patriots had a ton of difficulty defending against prolific tight ends, and Duggar coming in allows them to play that three-safety set that they love to play, and it allows them to keep three safeties on the field. Deron Harmon did that last year. He's gone. He's been traded to the Detroit Lions. So now all of a sudden, Duggar can fill that role, and I think he can do it very well. He's athletic. He's a good tackler. Great blend of speed, length, and size, and I think he's going to pay dividends. You mentioned Uche, and Uche to me is my favorite pick 
of the Patriots uh, two-day draft haul because technically they didn't make a pick in day one. Um, but to me, Uche is the guy that really I think they needed, they coveted, they wanted, and they got. I think he may be one of the most underrated pass rushers in the 2020 NFL draft. He's got long arms. He's got that skill set to make an immediate impact rushing the passer. Got a good combination of initial quickness. He's got that bend to him that I really love in his game. And his closing speed, to me, is one of the more impressive things that I've seen about Josh. And the Patriots needed to upgrade that position. They lose Kyle Van Noy. They lose Jamie Collins. That was a big part of their pass rush. And Uche comes in. He fits that classic Patriots profile. And I'm really going to enjoy watching him in Foxborough for a number of years to come. Jennings, to me, could be a sleeper pick in this draft. Yeah, Obviously, there was the injury uh, in 2018. That lessened his athleticism. Anytime a knee injury to an edge rusher occurs, there's always going to be questions about his long-term durability. But look, he's a strong edge defender. He plays his assignment as assigned. And I think that, to me, is one of the biggest things that's going to endear him to Bill Belichick. He does what he's told. He, quote-unquote, does his job. (laughs) And that's going to earn him the praise from Belichick and the Patriots' defensive coaching staff. But look, it's not just about him doing what he's told. He's got a great combination of quickness, power, instincts, and that change of direction ability that the Patriots look for in their edge rushers. So I like both of these selections. I really think they did well here. Um, the two tight ends, Asiasi, Dalton Keene, they fill specific roles within that position. Patriots got very little to no production out of the tight ends last year. League low, 37 catches, tied for last with two touchdowns. When you talk about some of the prolific tight ends that the Patriots have had over the last 20 years in the Brady-Belichick era, even dating back to a guy like Ben Coates, who played alongside Drew Bledsoe, they always had production out of that position. Last year didn't quite measure up, and they needed to go out and do that. I'm not saying that Asiasi or Keen are going to be future Hall of Famers, but I think they have the opportunity to come in and fill big roles on this team. So from from a day two standpoint, I think the Patriots did well in the later rounds. Uh, the guy that I have my eye on, and I said this yesterday talking to uh, Corbin Smith from Locked On Seahawks, is Michael Onwenu, the offensive lineman out of Michigan, has really the opportunity to come in and provide a lot of protection to Jared Stidham right off the bat. Um, it's very rare that he's bypassed by a pass rusher. And the Patriots needed that this year, especially with some of the uncertainty they had on the O-line last year. So I look for him to come in and make an impact. And some of the other, you know, the under the radar, uh, you know, undrafted free agents that they're bringing in guys like will hastings at the wide receiver position i mentioned jj taylor earlier these are gritty young players that can come in and fill a role and make a contribution so overall uh, the patriots draft hall may not be uh quote-unquote sexy in terms of the names that they brought in but the players that they brought in can fill specific roles and i think they're actually going to pay some dividends this year yeah, I really like their picks that they got. And, you know, I'm a Michigan guy. That's part of my love with Josh Shea. And he talks about the linemen as well. And then even going back to last year's draft class, Chase Winovich, uh, another guy I was really hoping the Rams would maybe kind of pick up in that draft and ended back with New England Patriots. So uh, you guys got a lot of young, exciting guys. Like you said, maybe not the sexy pick, but at the end of the day, if they're getting tackles and helping uh, the team contribute with some wins, that's all that anyone really cares about. My last question before we get out of here, uh, I was, as you mentioned, we're kind of doing these lockdown crossovers a lot. I had Joe Moreno of Lockdown Bills, and he said it was their division to lose. 
uh, this year. Do you agree with that, or do you still think it is the Patriots' division to lose? It's been 10 years plus that it seems it's been that way, but is it kind of the changing of the guard, at least for one year in that division? (laughs) Well, Joe is a great friend of mine, and uh, (laughs) I would say on paper he's probably right, but I'm going to pull a quote out here, and I'm going to say that to quote the great Ric Flair, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And until they beat the New England Patriots, I still think this is the Patriots division. Look, on paper, the Bills have definitely, uh, you know, eclipsed the Patriots in terms of on-field talent. Uh, they're stacked on the defense. They were last year. I, I think they've even improved from last year. Uh, their offense has vastly improved with the addition of Stefan Diggs. Uh, you want to talk about the drafting of, of a running back to go alongside Singletary. Uh, they've got tight ends. They've got a good offensive line. This is a team that is poised to make a huge step this year. So I say that with every bit of reverence to the Buffalo Bills. But again, the Patriots still hold that division crown. And until someone unseats them, I'm not willing to drop it in the bucket and say that the Patriots can't compete. So, uh, you know what? We'll see. It'll be an interesting year in the AFC East, and, and I look forward to it. But uh, we'll see. We'll we'll, uh, we'll see. I've got another crossover coming up with Joe soon. So uh, we may have a chat about that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I like stirring the pot a little bit over there. Um, you know, we've got some uh, crossovers coming no, up here great. in NFC West, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be very competitive out in this division, so uh, it always makes fun. And that's what's fun about these crossovers. Always love doing kind of checking in on the host, and I can't wait to check in with you again as we get closer to the season and we start talking about actual real football that's going to be taking place. We don't know when, and we don't know when this game's going to be, but I can't wait to have that conversation Find out where some of these conversations that we had, where they turn up, how these rookies go, how the rosters fill out, and where our teams are when they meet again. Absolutely. I can't wait for the official pregame crossover uh, when we do uh, hook up. It has been a blast sharing the microphone with you today, Bear. Totally agree. Had a great time chatting with you guys. Don't forget, tomorrow we continue our AFC East coverage here. Our last conversation of the week is with Locked On Dolphins. That is Joe Crabb down there holding it down for Dolphins Nation. So excited to talk to them tomorrow. Make sure to go back and listen to some of the other conversations we've had already so far this week. But with that said, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.